In Berkeley, California, nothing is too inconsequential to be the center of controversy. No restaurant extends its hours without a committee of neighbors investigating its delivery schedule, its garbage standard, its compliance with noise ordinances. The chopping down of a shade tree can give birth to a neighborhood committee. Plans to add a bedroom that would block a neighbor's view can create a crusade. People in Berkeley love their city and its liberal heritage, and they are prepared to defend it against all corners and against each other. The battles are fierce, attenuated, bitter, and deep down, enjoyed by all. So it came as no surprise when the new city council's plan to deal with the problem of people living in vehicles on the streets was met with anger. For as long as I could remember, it wasn't unexpected to find purple or green converted school buses parked permanently on industrial streets, or pickup trucks with six-foot-high wooden shells and bubble skylights in front of stucco duplexes, or ancient Plymouth wagons with makeshift curtains squatting at the curbs in West Berkeley. The occupants of those vehicles had come to town as transients, on the way to town where things would work out, where someone would give them a job, where someone would trust them to rent a house, with no first and last month's rent and no deposit. Maybe the tolerant atmosphere of Berkeley reassured them. Maybe they were encouraged by the number of people who worked part-time trading security for daylight hours so they could do what they wanted. Maybe they just ran out of gas or hope. Whatever the reason, some of those vehicles had been parked on the streets for years. When neighbors complained, the owners pumped up the tires and got a push or a tow two blocks east or north. Most Berkeleyans had lived on the edge at one time or another, or had a friend who did, or maybe a daughter or a son. There was a lot of sympathy for the impoverished bus people, and no small measure of envy of their freedom. The arrangement could have gone on for years, if the vehicle dwellers hadn't come, almost as if by centrifugal force, closer and closer together until the taxpayers in that small area whose curbs they inhabited took their complaints to the new city council. Had they been the city council of Phoenix or Charleston or almost anywhere else, they could have forced the bus people to move on, but not here. Berkeleyans endorsed the right to live in cars and buses as long as those vehicles were not parked by their driveways. The issue of the bus people had become a well-wedged thorn in the municipal side. With one swift move, the city council yanked it out. They ordered the police to tow all such vehicles off the streets to an unused lot near the city dump. The lot christened Rainbow Village, was half the size of a city block, with no trees, no grass, no paved road, no electricity hookups, and no plumbing. But the bus people were used to living without easy access to running water and plumbing. What they had now was legitimacy, 
All in all, it seemed a stroke of genius, until the uproar started. Residents of the poor neighborhoods from which the buses and cars had been removed complained that the city should have allotted the funds involved to upgrading their blocks rather than nurturing transients. Developers grumbled that the site of Rainbow Village offered a view of the inlet and, across it, the entire city of Berkeley. Although it was next to the dump, it was still immensely valuable bayfront property. The dump, they pointed out, was temporary, until its dead branches, threadbare sofas, and mounds of household garbage grew high enough to create a hummock of land at the end of the marina.